Judges chapter 7, verse 1. Then Jerob Baal, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early in the morning and encamped beside the spring of Harad. And the camp of Midian was north of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whoever is fearful and trembling, let him return home and hurry away from Mount Gilead. Then twenty-two thousand of the people returned, and ten thousand remained. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people are still too many. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you. And any one of whom I say to you, This one shall go with you. And any one of whom I say to you, This one shall not go with you, shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water, and the Lord said to Gideon, Everyone who laps the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set by himself. Likewise, everyone who kneels down to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hands to their mouths, was three hundred men. But the rest of the people knelt down to drink the water. And the Lord said to Gideon, With the three hundred men who lapped, I will save you, and give the Midianites into your hand. And let all the others go, every man to his own home. The story of Gideon, it is very encouraging to anyone who is currently looking at the world as a place of nothing but evil. Yes, there's a lot of evil in the world, and there always has been, and there always will be. And in fact, there's much more evil than most people realize. But we can't dwell on this because there's also a lot of beauty in this world that is meant for us to experience and being fixated on a chicken little mentality where the sky is falling, the sky is falling. Every minute of the day is just not good. And that's where Gideon was. The nation of Israel again forsook the Lord and worshipped other gods, most notably Baal or Baal. And the beginning of this chapter reveals that Gideon's nickname was Jerub Baal given to him after he tore down the altar of Baal in his hometown in the previous chapter. And what happened? The people realized they were on the wrong track. They fell down and worshipped God. Nope, they tried to kill Gideon. Don't take our gods. That's how dedicated they were to these pagan gods. It judges 6.32. Therefore, on that day, Gideon was called Jerubbaal. That is to say, let Baal contend against him because he broke down his altar. And the story of Gideon is such a good picture of a victorious life in Jesus because Gideon described himself as the least of his family. He had no confidence in himself in Judges 6.14. And the Lord said to him, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Do I not send you? And he said to him, Please, Lord, how can I save Israel? Behold, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. So Gideon's introduction to God starts out by him questioning his own strength, which God said to go fight in. Go in this might of yours, Gideon. And Gideon's like, There's no way I can win this battle. I'm not even a military guy. So Gideon realized he could not win the battle against Israel's enemies, who at this time in history were the Midianites. He didn't have the strength to fight, or so he thought. But God sees things a lot different, because not only Gideon, but every other military leader in Scripture, they win the battles for God, not by their own strength. They win the battles for God because God fights the battles for them. And that's what Psalm 44 is all about which is a psalm that spoke to me very clearly years ago. It says in Psalm 44, verse 4, You are my king, O God, ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust, nor can my sword save me. But you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have boasted continually, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Selah. There you go. And Selah, just meditate on that. 
If we can simply understand this principle that God wins his battles, the battles are his. He has a lot of battles for every one of his children, and he allows us to participate in these battles where he brings about the victory. And if our churches could just understand this principle that God is fighting the battles, all we have to do is follow him. They would explode with faith, with love, with hope. But how many times do we pick our own fights instead of staying with Jesus and fighting the battles that he chooses? How many times do we cowardly retreat from a situation that God's saying, go, go fight this? I don't want to. I'm scared. And that's what Gideon was doing. But God was all over Gideon. Gideon was God's chosen person to win this battle, not for his might, but for his weakness, so that God was assured that the glory of the victory would be his and not some person. So God intentionally chooses the weak to glorify his strength. But Gideon needed confirmation, not just once, but twice, like we do, you know, give me a sign, that kind of thing. And he asked for a sign from God. And God didn't yell at Gideon. Rather, he understood his situation, his fear, all that. And he did. He gave him two signs, one right after another. Gideon had heard of the power of God in the story of the Exodus. We read that back in his conversation with God. But he had never experienced any kind of power from God personally. Does that sound familiar? For our brothers and sisters who do not believe in the gifts of the Spirit, that they're in operation today, even though they're very evident in my life, it's kind of the same dilemma. And they're referred to as cessationists because they believe the gifts ceased at the conclusion of the apostolic age or when the apostles died. And they read about the supernatural power of God in the scriptures, and they've got no real issue with believing that because it's the scriptures, but they've not experienced that supernatural power for themselves, so they stay rooted in their belief that the gifts don't exist. And years ago, I was at a father-son retreat with a group I wasn't affiliated with. Didn't know them that well, but I had met some people, kind of liked them. And they offered this father-son retreat. So we went, and they were hardcore cessationists. Man, big time. And one of the speakers was telling a God story about a retreat he had attended, how wonderful it was. And he shook his head with this confused look on his face. And he goes, you know, there was some supernatural healing going on. And I just chuckled to myself, but I felt sad for them because they haven't experienced this kind of power from God as outlined in the scripture without deviating from the biblical parameters. We need to throw that in there. The Bible gives parameters on the gifts and we got to stay within them and not bounce out all over them. Because that's one of the arguments that the cessationists use is all these people claiming to have these supernatural gifts. They're liars. They're not being empowered by God. They're concocting these things, many of them prophecies that don't come true. It's like, whoa, man, Deuteronomy 13, Deuteronomy 18, go read that. Speaking in tongues when there's no interpretation and everyone's doing it at the same time, all that stuff. And I totally agree with him. Check out the website series on spiritual gifts. I talk about that. But now Gideon, he had seen for himself that power of God. He understood it. So what happens? Gideon marshals an army of 30,000 people, but God reduces it to 300. And again, in Judges 7, verse 2, the Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. God was going to do something really cool, and he understood the hearts of his people. They're going to take credit. They're going to go on feeling confident in their own strength. They're going to forget me. And why would God think that? Because that's exactly what they did over and over and over in the Old Testament. Study the Old Testament. God does amazing things. Everyone's in awe, praise the Lord. And then God backs off, says, okay, live in faith, and right down the tubes. So God's getting ready to do something like the Red Sea here. There's no way this group can win a battle against a superior army, but God can defeat an army very quickly. And that's exactly what he did. But before God sends Gideon off to battle, he has a one-on-one with him to prep him in Judges 7.10. But if you're afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant, and you shall hear what they say, and afterwards your hand shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outposts of the armed men who were in the camp. 
And the Midianites and the Amalekites and all the people of the east lay along the valley like locusts in abundance, and their camels are without number, as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. When Gideon came, behold, a man was telling a dream to his comrade. He said, Behold, I dreamed a dream, and behold, a cake of barley tumbled into the camp of Midian, and it came into the tent, and struck it so that it fell and turned upside down, so the tent lay flat. And his comrade answered, This is no other than the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. God has given into his hand Midian and all the camp. And as soon as Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation, he worshipped. And he returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has given the host of Midian into your hand. Let's go. Gideon heard the interpretation of the dream for himself, finally understood. You know what? God says what he means, and he means what he says. So he stood by, and he watched as God destroyed the Midianite threat against Israel. And likewise, when we are walking with Jesus, trusting in him first, we shouldn't fear what this life throws at us. Yes, there are times when we're afraid. I know that one well. Talk to people who have been in very dangerous situations, and they made it through, and ask them, were they afraid? The honest ones will be like, yeah, I was afraid. Sometimes I was terrified, but they pushed through instead of being held captive by fear. In 2 Timothy 1.7, For God has given us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And the reason that we can own that verse is not that we are brave. Rather, we understand who is with us and who leads us in the battle. Jesus has battles for us to fight every day, and the most ferocious of which is the battle of our own flesh, which wars against the spirit. He's with us. He will bring victory He will make a way for us to experience that power of God if we simply trust him and obey. Thank you.